0: Welcome to episode 48 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, episode 48, I don't got anything to say.
1: 48. 48, That's just right. kind of one of them numbers, it's like
0: 48, alright. Who's who's your favorite? Jimmy Johnson, he was a NASCAR driver, he was yeah. number 48. You got I wasn't any? a
1: big Jimmy Johnson fan. I'm so. not a
0: big NASCAR fan, so.
1: Alright, uh, there, there no, other no other 48s. No other 48s. Trying to think of any, like, legendary 48s. Hmm. I feel like I feel like
0: there's got to be like what was Mike Allstott? Was he 40 or 44? 40, yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: Huh. All right. Well, we got no 48s. There's no Zebco 48s. There's only Zebco 44s and 404s and and 33s. I guess so.
0: Well, you know who is number 48? Who? Taylor Millantine.
1: That's 40, and he's number 48. Number 48. Guest for episode 48
0: taylor melantine uh east grand forks minnesota not north dakota he did say that he could see north dakota from his
1: porch oh yeah yeah. so
0: that's who we got today uh gonna be a killer cool episode something that we haven't talked about uh before
1: right yeah we got he's gonna be talking a little bit about spearing today and all of his adventures for along with uh fish addictions tv so looking forward to it
0: yeah have you ever speared
1: um i I think I can remember going with my grandpa when I was, like, really young. We'd always used to go to Lake Ochita in southwest Minnesota, but...
0: Yeah, I think I think when we did the Deitch Boys episode, I think your grandpa had actually talked a little bit about going spearing back right. in the day and whatnot. Well,
1: it was, they always used to do it, and there's still a lot of people that do it quite a bit. I think it's really gaining popularity again. I think so, too, I again. mean,
0: something different and...
1: and oh, uh, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, like we said, we got Taylor Millentine. We're going to talk spearing we're going to talk fish addictions and we're going to get right over to him hey taylor are you there man
2: yep i'm here
0: perfect well thanks for coming on today uh um yeah definitely uh one that we've been looking forward to uh, talking to and uh, last week when we talked to you at the ice institute we thought hey then now's the time
2: yeah for sure yeah appreciate you uh appreciate you guys uh calling me and asking me to do this Uh, i'm a little maybe rougher on the edges doing these podcasts this i think is probably the second podcast i've probably ever done so you boys might have to help me out a little bit here along the way
1: <laughs> hey no problem if we, nope. if we can do it <laughs> anybody can do it that's
2: right hey there you go
0: so tell us first taylor uh, where you're from and uh kind of the bodies of water that you're fishing right now
2: i currently reside in east grand forks minnesota so for those that don't know where that's at uh we are right on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota and about an hour south of the Canadian border. So, um, as far as, uh, water that I fish around here, uh, there's places to go East and West, but maybe the double bladed sword there is that, you know, you got to go about an hour in each direction to find some water to, uh, to fish. So, like I said, I currently reside in East Grand Forks, Minnesota right now. Uh, moved up here nine years ago now uh the reason being i i moved from my hometown of marshall minnesota and my wife which at then was my girlfriend was currently residing in grand forks and attending the university of north dakota she kind of drugged me up here um, i kind of drugged my feet a little bit but i i made it up here uh, we've been happy up here now for For about nine years been married for five we've got two children now uh and we really like it here it's a really nice place to to raise a family and and kind of being the outdoorsy guy that i am i like to do a little bit of hunting little fishing probably a little fishing more than anything but it's kind of a great place to be and and we we have decided that this is where we're going to make it a home and we wish to be here for for quite a while
0: right on well, you know, you're like an hour and a half uh, to the east of Devil's Lake, and, and how far are you from, like, Lake of the Woods there?
2: Lake of the Woods were about, oh, I'd say two and a half hours. Uh, it's kind of a tricky deal to get up there from here. You either have to take the interstate to Drayton and and then head northeast through through the Carlstead, Greenbush, Roseau area, or you can go east and, and you can head north on... Uh, on like two twenty out of here out of town. But yeah, that's a it, it seems like it's pretty close, you know, being that we're only an hour from the Canadian border, but it's it's still a, a jaunt to the east. But like you said, Devil's Lake is kind of I would say my what I would call home body water. I uh, I spent a couple years guiding out there for Bry's guide service. I uh, learned a lot and it's a place that's really a a challenge. And I like that challenge, you know, um, when it comes to fishing, fishing is something that you have to go out and you have to find those fish. You know, it's, we're in the midst of deer season right now where those deer kind of come to you. Well, fishing has always intrigued me and interested me because that's something you have to go out and make the best of it and you really have to put the time into it. So Devil's Lake is that place to me, where in my heart I I really enjoy fishing just because of the the terrain and the geography and how much things have changed in the past few years. And it's it's really interesting for me to go out and learn every time that I'm on the water out there and learn different things and fish different areas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that you said to us when uh, we were talking to you last week at the Ice Institute was the water levels over, west of you a ways uh, were way lower and, and for the rest of us in the Midwest I think that we think that that's absolutely crazy because the rest of the Midwest is absolutely drenched but tell us a little bit about the water levels over to the west of you and and how they didn't get any rain this year.
2: Right it's you know there was kind of a cutoff um, like you said west of here maybe about an hour maybe 45 minutes west of here where where the rain didn't hit it as hard Uh, We were pretty wet here in the Red River Valley and Grand Forks, East Grand Forks, but over in the Devil's Lake area, they're still kind of dealing with the dropping water levels on the lake. Um, They had proposed the idea that they were going to keep the pumps running. Now, when I talk about pumps, they first built the pumps and they put them in on the very southeastern part of the lake um, on the the East Devils Lake side, uh, if you're not familiar with the lake, but they put the pumps in, in 2011 and those pumps haven't shut off since they were installed. And right now they're kind of in a, you know, I would, I would maybe not call it a disagreement, but it's kind of a, one of those scales right now, a tipping scale where you don't know what's, potentially going to happen. You have farmers and agriculture that are hoping those pumps stay running. They, the farmers get a lot of this land back. And then you have the side of it with the tourism, and you have the anglers that you know want to keep that water level high because, I mean, Devil's Lake really isn't the biggest city, and where a lot of that income and economics comes from is people traveling there and, and spending money in the town, and a big portion of that is fishing. So right now it's kind of a struggle with... With some resorts and some guide services, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're worried a little bit about what's going to happen and what the future can hold. They've decided to keep pumping, and with the lower water, water levels, like we said, the lake is almost down about, you know, four and a half to five feet. So it's going to be interesting this ice season to see what happens, and um, I'm actually curious myself to see how the fish react to these low water levels.
1: So yeah, you talk about that with the fish and everything like that. What does this low le- low water levels mean for like the ice fishing this year?
2: So, um people that have traveled out to the Devil's Lake area and maybe some that even reside there too have experienced some fishing in areas where maybe you wouldn't suspect would be that great uh You've got some of your bays and areas and maybe some of your north lakes where you know you're talking waters that are shallower than eight seven feet up there where you're catching fish and those waters were seven eight feet you know four or five years ago and the fishing was abundant and those fish were there and they were biting and it was you know it was a, a definitely a feast fest going on well now just think of you know fishing at eight-foot water levels, your water is now residing in about the two-and-a-half to three-foot water levels. If we experience some of the winters that we've had in the past, you know, three to four years, where we get to almost three-plus feet of ice, you're talking a lot of those those high-probability fishing areas where those fish are going to be are going to be c- completely frozen. Now, I think what that interprets, too, is, you know, you get a lot of your bait, you get a lot of your food source that either moves to a different area or that just isn't there anymore. That definitely affects the fishing. So where where I'm curious is what's going to happen now to when, you know, late in the season we get all this ice. Say we get a, a bunch of snow like we've had in the past too. Oxygen levels are also going to drop. And what does that do to the fishing? So we're in for a, a really interesting ice season. Uh, come spring, I guess we'll know what's going to happen for sure. But right now I'm... I'm kind of nervous about what's going to happen on a lot of those bays and lakes and maybe parts of the main lake as well. Some of those fish are either going to have to congregate in areas where they're not used to, or they hopefully will be able to, to travel into some of those areas where they can find a food source and they can survive this this tough winter we might be ahead of us.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, when, well, of course, last week, like I said, we talked to you at the the Ice Institute, and me and Matt were like, oh man, we can't wait for ice, and you were like, well, yeah, you know, you couldn't wait for ice neither, but the fact of, it it could really have some bad, bad effects on on some of those lakes up there, and that's just something that me and Matt, and, and probably some of the listeners never really stopped to think about, was, you get ice this early. And if it stays really late, I, I mean the oxygen levels, like you said, and and you know kill offs. I mean we saw a lot of kill offs last year down here in South Dakota, and and yeah, that's just something that we didn't think about.
2: Right. That's that's probably the biggest implication is is having all of that ice. Uh, like you're like you're saying there, if you get ice early, that's a longer season you're going to have. That means less oxygen. Um, that means you know some of those areas that freeze completely as i was saying and and that's what might might end up uh hurting a lot of these lakes that we're talking about maybe up north and even some of the the devil's lake area
1: now uh, talking about like devil's lake it's kind of a destination spot for a lot of people it's kind of on scott and my's bucket list um how was the fishing up there looking like this year do they still getting into the jumbo perch like they always used to is it not as good as what it once was and the walleye are more popular now what's like the fishing outlook up there
2: right now uh we're experiencing a pretty good population of of perch and perch fishing uh the fish are a little bit on the bigger side right now if you get into them on the main bay is Uh, you can find the, the, the giant pods of them kind of wandering around, but you might not, you might not have the bigger fish mixed in with those giant pods of fish, uh, a lot of times you find some of these bigger fish roaming or acting like they're walleyes where they're even, they tend to be a little bit shallower, which, you know, can be surprising, but at the same time, it isn't surprising because they can also be a predator, you know, when they reach that 13 to 14 inch range, you're talking about almost a two pound perch. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of walleyes that are going to try to take down a, a 13 or a 14 inch perch or even a, even a pike for that matter. So, um, you know, the walleye fishing was pretty consistent this summer and was pretty good. Uh, a lot of guys were experiencing a lot better walleye fishing on the main lake this year. And and there, there tended to be uh, fish kind of congregating in those areas that they that they were probably, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And a lot of those fish might have congregated from those areas from the shallow back to those spots. Because now we're, like we were talking about earlier, they're getting into those, uh, you know, the shallow water The shallow water spots so you know now they're just they're tending to move and they're constantly moving and that's the biggest thing about devil's lake is these fish are always on the move so as far as the perch and the walleye fishing goes uh still you know just as good as ever Uh, we might be seeing a a trend downward as the water levels drop here now, but I don't think this year will have a big effect on it, but maybe the, the couple years here in the future might be kind of tricky. So, you know, the biggest factor though, is this winter and, and what the ice and the snow does.
0: Now, Taylor, we don't want you to give up any secrets, but for a listener that's listening, if if they've had Devil's Lake on their bucket list for a while, if they were to come up there and give it a shot, what's some advice that you could give them? What what's your go-to bait for them? Perch, you know, where should they start? Uh, you know, w- what are some of the tips you could give?
2: Well, I think I'll just keep it simple. Um, if you have the ambition and you plan on really putting the effort into it. Um, I would say you know go ahead and try it yourself. Uh, the biggest bear of it all is that Devils Lake is a huge body of water, and you're talking about 250,000 plus acres of fishable water. It's a huge, huge area to try to tackle in in say a weekend, and it can be it can be really depressing at sometimes you know not finding fish right away, and <clears throat> Excuse me. Um some people have gone the route of, you know, hiring a guide service to try to to try to figure out the lake a little bit and a lot of times that can be seriously beneficial. Uh a lot of people like you say are making the long trek up here because it is such a a destination and a place that's, you know, far away from say in Iowa or Wisconsin and sometimes it can be really frustrating to go out and and not find fish when people are expected to come to Devils Lake and catch those jumbo perch and catch big walleye. So Um, you know, the biggest thing is those perch, they really like to school up. And the hard part about it is that they like the, they like the flats, they like the basins. So if you're going to fish the main lake, you know, you're going to want to look for any of those flat basins where it's in the, you know, 20 to 20 to 40 feet. And you can even get past that too. Once you really get into the, into the, uh, the realm of winter there where it's late in the season, they'll, they'll even push out into the the forties and 50 feet. So And then you can also run into some white bass so that can be fun as well but you know as far as the perch go and and where to start there it's they'll start to to trend from the shallower water to the deeper water in the winter and and walleyes will do the same you know they'll they'll start up shallow in the mornings and then they'll work their way out so there's there's so many places to fish on devil's lake and there's there's really an abundance of fish but like i said sometimes it can be frustrating so if you're planning on making a trip up and maybe you don't have all the gear and you don't want to go out and be real ambitious. I mean, I would probably go the guide route just because the water can be so frustrating at some points, but you know, if you're going to do it yourself and be ambitious, do your, do your homework, look into, uh, different articles guys have written about fishing, look into, you know, use your social media and, and figure out where some of these fish can be located. Cause it can be a real bear in the winter.
0: Right. Um, You know, you, you told us now that you used to uh, work for Bry's Guide Service, guiding up there on Devil's Lake. But uh, you also do something really cool, and uh, you film some TV shows for Fish Addictions. How did that come about?
2: So uh, it actually kind of ties into my everyday occupation here. Um, I started nine years ago working for Mike Olson with Greenworks Landscaping and Fencing in in Grand Forks. And Mike had started Fish Addictions and initially was just a a YouTube channel. And from there it turned into something bigger and it's now turned into a TV show and something to be proud of. And I kind of started with Mike. I wasn't one of the founders, but I, you know, I was asked to help and do some of the filming stuff and, and, and go along on some of these trips. And I have really kind of grown as an angler and it's been a lot of fun to go on these destination trips to these different areas. We did episodes a few years back where we've gone to the Sheboygan area. We've gone to Saginaw. We've been to Michigan, Wisconsin. And, you know, you have your, your episodes around here of the devil's Lake and the Lake of the woods and red Lake. And it's, it's more fun to go do it with a group of anglers that share the same passion that you do and you can really lay back and and have fun with these guys it's more it's more of fun it's it's and it's not work so that's the biggest joy that i get out of it is learning from these guys and and having the fun and the camaraderie that comes with it
1: now it's kind of a semi-live show right like you guys we'll go on a trip and like in a week or two that's when that episode will air if you have enough for a show and some of them are pre-recorded like last year's when they followed mike and robert and drake on the nwt tour
2: right yeah that's what's so astonishing about it to me even being a part of it is that we'll we'll fish a lake and not even sometimes four or five days later there's an episode airing out and and that's kind of the way that the fishing shows have, have gone now is that people want this content that's immediate, they don't want to watch an episode that was filmed, you know, potentially two years ago or last year where that might not even be relevant anymore, and then those fish might not even be there, and the tactics have maybe changed since since that episode is, has uh, been filmed to air. So that's, that's the coolest thing about it is a lot of this is fresh, and it's coming off the, the cameras, you know, a week or sometimes two weeks. And that's that's all all the time it takes to do some editing. And I, I really give props to, to the editors on the Fish Addiction staff that are able to provide this content and do it so well in such a short amount of time.
0: Now we had Marcus Quam on here a few weeks ago and he does uh, In-Depth Outdoors. And uh, we asked him, but we're gonna ask you, is tv hard like do you ever look back at yourself on tv and like holy smokes you know i was really talking funny there or you know boy i look funny like it was it hard the first time that you looked at yourself on tv and and you know did you critique yourself
2: <laughs> uh it's funny you say that because i i can't stand the way that i sound and the way that i look <laughs> on tv and even on Probably this podcast, I'll probably go back and, and listen to myself and say, what is this guy talking about? So, uh, yeah, I've, you know, it's it's kind of a thing that you, you practice and practice and you try to get better at presenting yourself and talking about things, but I've found that the more honest that you can be with the viewers and the more honest that you can be on camera is... The, the better it turns out. Everything just comes you know emotionally instead of scripted and that a lot of times is some of the best footage you can get is when your your true emotions show and, and people can relate to that too when they see your true emotions.
0: Now how often do you have it when you're cruising around in East Grand Forks or taking your wife out for supper do you have people come up to you like hey I know you or, or not very often? Uh
2: yes and no um you know there's people that i've fished with around here that you know they'll they'll come up to me and say hey how's the fish addictions thing going and that's because they've known me but uh I, i've had it a couple times out in the devil's lake area actually where you know i'll be wearing some clothing or something and a guy will come up and say where's the next episode and i'll you know kind of be caught off guard and i'll go Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You recognize me. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know We we don't know where we're going yet. I mean, I'm trying to get word right now where we're going to go for the next episode. And, you know, I just, I try to keep it real with people and, and just talk about fishing, just get back onto that. Uh, I, I don't myself personally, I don't really want the fame that comes with it. I guess I, I'm, I'm just i'm just like everybody else i like to fish i like to talk about fishing i like to exaggerate fishing you know oh yeah yeah. so uh yeah it's 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 cool when people recognize you but at the same time i kind of get a little caught off guard because i'm just like everybody else out there some you know i'm fishing from the banks i'm fishing on the boat i'm trying to i'm trying to just chase fish that's that's what i have fun doing
1: what's probably your most memorable episode that you got to be a part of
2: Oh, that's, uh, that's tough. We went to, we went to Sheboygan two years ago now, and we chased steelhead through the ice on the river. And that was something that was completely out of my realm. I am not, i I had never even caught a trout before that, let alone it was a rainbow, a steelhead, a brown trout, a brook trout, uh, any of that. So that was all new to me. So everything that we did was interesting to me and I was totally intrigued by it. And it was nothing that I've ever done before. So, um, just to touch base on that episode a little bit, we were fishing in, in water as shallow as one to two feet in the river. And to, to fight some of those fish and the caliber of those fish that are out there in that river was amazing they i mean when you talk about having to stick your arm halfway down a hole to to free up the line on the ice hole so that fish doesn't snap that line and you don't have all that resistance on the edge of your hole because you're fighting a fish in a foot of water was something that was really interesting to me and and i've never had to deal with that where you got to free up your line so you so you can get these fish in They had some serious power and we ended up catching quite a few nice fish, some steelhead. Uh, I caught a really nice brown trout, which I thought it was pretty spoiled because, you know, this is, was kind of a once in a, once in a lifetime deal and it really panned out towards the end.
0: Yeah, when you're in one to two foot of water, that fish has no place to go but sideways. You know, it, it, you know, it's not like you're in thirty foot and yeah, you just got to lift them up. That, that's a crazy we're, fight. i not not anything that I would personally know about, but that was, right, it was
2: it was so strange to just have those fish fight you horizontally. Like you say, I'm we're so used to fighting fish, you know, vertically, where these fish they you know, they get in a current seam and they just take off and they peel you out. And that was what was so much fun about it is you're you're using some of the lighter tackle with a heavy rod, but at the same time there's a lot of finesse that goes with it. And a lot of times there's not a lot of room like you're talking with that less than two feet. So that was probably the one of the funnest episodes i've ever been on and and i'm not sure if i'll top that but i'd love to get back out there and do something like that again because it just it blew my mind catching these fish in less than two feet of water and and you know getting up to that 10 15 pound range yeah
0: that is crazy now another thing that you brought up uh when when i was setting up this interview with you is spearing you said that you've been doing a lot of spearing and i i don't know i guess i can't speak for matt but for me personally i've never done any spearing uh tell tell us a little bit about spearing uh how you go about that uh you know cuz obviously you're not punching a 6-inch hole what what goes into that
2: so yeah spearing is something that you know might be kind of a lost art uh you've got some of your old timers that grew up spearing and and guys you know around northern minnesota that did a lot of it uh I didn't grow up spearing, it's something that really interested me in the last about five years now, uh, and Bry's Guide Service does a lot of that too, and I learned a lot uh, from a lot of those guys, they uh, they were really passionate about it, and it was really cool to see how much people enjoyed it, and that was that was something that I, I really thought was something you could tap into, and and something that people would enjoy doing, so I took it upon myself to figure out how to do this. and and it's still a learning curve as everything is uh you have your days where things don't go as well as you would hope they do but you know when it comes to the spearing it's it's tough because it's not a it's not a catch and release sport obviously there is no returning that fish to the water Uh, it's a harvest and that fish needs to be taken care of properly and you know the reason being why they allow it is, you know, is for, is for the management, obviously. And Devil's Lake is fortunate enough to allow the spearing because they have the, maybe I would call it an overabundance of pike. And maybe a lot of those fish are actually stunted in some of those northern lakes. So, you know, it's actually healthy for the lake to do that. And, you know, sometimes you might get your frustrations with people of of the spearing game because you're not allowing those fish to to get to a certain length but in the end it's it's part of a management system that the the north dakota game and fish has come up with and so far it's been really successful so you know just to To touch back a little bit on on how to go about the spearing um the biggest thing is clarity and in the devil's lake area it's really hard to sometimes find the clear water to spear these fish sometimes you're talking about visibility less than you know a foot or two feet in in certain parts of the year because you're dealing with so much moving water from lake to lake and and that's where that's where it can be tricky to to be successful at it So a lot of times is just spent searching for clear enough water where you can even spear. And then, you know, another factor is, is there even going to be fish there where there's that clear water? So um, the big thing that I tell people is to try to find a lot of those structure areas where you're talking road beds, you're talking sunken trees, maybe rock piles. But a lot of those, a lot of those pikes still stay shallow in the winter, and and they love that shallow water. There's a, a huge food source there. It's still there in the winter, and they'll stick around in some of those shallower areas and those shallow bays, and that's where I tend to do a lot of my spearing. So, uh, it's it's been a learning curve the last five years that I've been doing it, and I've learned a little bit more here and there. But you know, it's your your basic setup with your decoys and your spear and and I've tried to get into a little bit of the filming aspect of it lately and trying to film some of that stuff but as I stated there's there's still that you know gray area where people don't know if it's ethical or not or if you know you're hurting the population but you know they allow it in areas where it can be done and it can be done successfully and and so it so it keeps the population strong so I've had a blast doing it and I encourage anybody that wants to or has the opportunity to go spearing to try it because it's almost like uh like your deer hunting it's it's more of a kind of a primitive sport where you're waiting for that fish to come by and if you can trick that fish and and successfully harvest that fish is is the real joy of it once you're done and and that's i've I've really enjoyed it the past five years so i hope i can then learn even more and maybe teach it to others that want to come out and do it now,
1: what do you use to uh, drill the holes? Do you just use a regular auger and drill a bunch of them, like, by each other, or do you have like one of those ice saws?
2: Yeah, so I I, I kind of just went right into the stories behind it there and didn't really explain. So, apology there, but yeah, what I what I'd like to do is I'll drill um, sometimes about six to eight eight holes in about a, a three foot by four foot pattern. Then I'll take the saw. I believe I have a nil saw is what it is. It's, you know, your traditional, uh, breakaway saw and I'll cut in between each hole and then I'll probably cut that, cut that iceberg into another half. And then I'll bring a tongs with, and then I'll pull those, pull those ice cubes out later in the season. Um, but early in the season, a lot of times what you'll do is you'll do the same thing. You'll cut your grid of holes, you'll cut that sheet of ice out, and then you'll slide that, that sheet of ice under the water if, if you don't think that's going to be detrimental for you to, to seeing fish and that's not going to disrupt those fish down there. So, you know, there's there's tons of different ways that people have gone about cutting holes. Uh, this personally is my kind of best option. I like to have about a three foot by four foot area where I can get over the hole and see what I'm looking at. And like I said, if, if I can get away with shoving that ice under, that's great. If not, then I'll, I'll remove those chunks. And then the biggest thing is you know the safety when it comes to spearing too is you you definitely want to mark holes Uh, they recommend you bring some wooden laths or some dowels with or or even something that's natural around the shoreline where you can mark that hole because it could potentially be a dangerous object for you know others that are out there trying to to do some fishing or snowmobiling or or anything of that matter so um a big thing there is safety as well so
0: Now kind of explain to the listeners that don't uh, don't possibly know uh, about spearing like you said you got a three by four foot hole and then you kind of stand on top of that hole straddling it and and you wait for a fish to swim below you that you that you bring in uh, by a decoy and you basically just throw a spear at it correct?
2: Right yeah it's you know it's like I said, it's kind of a primitive thing where I, I try not to think about it too much and I try not to do too much. I try to keep it as basic as possible. Uh, I I tend to tell people, you know, you really don't need the latest and greatest and the biggest and the baddest of the stuff to do it. It's, it's about as simple as it gets. Uh, we all know pike are very aggressive. Uh, they can be triggered by just about anything. Uh, I, I'll jokingly say, you know, throw a pop can down there and they'll probably hit it i mean that's <laughs> how aggressive you're talking about fish are on on the devil's lake system they're they're either that hungry or they're just that aggressive so um I'll, I'll suggest to people you know keep it simple just you know buy a couple simple decoys right away you don't have to have the greatest gear but like you said you're basically straddling the hole uh you're jigging that that decoy and what i like to do is i'll just i'll get a rattle reel and I will, I'll coil some line up on that rattle reel, and I'll attach that decoy to it, and I'll, I'll usually attach the rattle reel to the top of the hub house. And that's another thing I guess I didn't touch about either is I do a lot of my spearing out of the hub house. Uh, I've got an Eskimo 949i, and um, the big thing to me is having that black interior so you can see well enough to see those fish. So if you're talking about a sunny day, And that sun is going to reflect through the ice and you're going to be able to see those fish really well if you're able to darken your house up. So, you know, they call it dark house spearing. Well, the misconception is that you've only been able to do it out of a hard sided shack. Uh, Recently, uh, companies have gotten into the, the hub style and that black interior has really made it beneficial to spearing out of and being more mobile. And that's the that's basically how I like to do my spearing is through a hub house and that black interior has been good enough to to see f- those fish swimming around so you know there isn't just the hard-sided house approach to it you can be mobile and do it as well but that just depends on how hard you want to uh how hard you want to be on your arms for that day and cutting holes
0: <laughs> now how, how deep a water do you want to be and I mean are you trying to pin these fish down to the ground when you're driving the spear or or don't you have to
2: uh so i'll typically spear anything from four to you know 12 feet i think i speared last year and and the clarity out west here isn't as good once you start to get you know past that that eight foot range so i tend not to spear in anything deeper than that Uh, i'm not saying you're not going to have any success spearing deeper you might find that clear water and find fish in deeper water but i tend to stay in that you know four to four to about 10 feet somewhere in there and that that allows you to, to see a lot of those fish from anywhere from the bottom of the ice to you know that's six feet sometimes i can't see the bottom if i'm in six seven feet but if i can see those fish you know up up the water column when they're coming through and trying to strike at that decoy that's that's plenty so um and then when it comes to actually launching the spear at these fish um the biggest key is you know the misconception might be uh you you need to take your spear and and throw it as possibly hard as pos- as hard as possible as you can at that fish and that's that's generally not the case um if you th- what I try to explain to people is you think about uh throwing a dinner plate in the water and if you tried to throw that as hard as you could you're gonna have a lot of wavering that happens there and maybe some flipping so when it comes to a spear you're gonna you're gonna want to more of a just a release i i try to tell people that you want to be directly above that fish you know just under the water and and when that fish is in range you're not doing much of a throw you're actually doing more of a release and just in the general direction of that fish so your spear should be heavy enough and sharp enough where that it's going to make a good shot on that fish as to where you wouldn't injure that fish and that's the biggest thing is trying not to do too much actually you just you want to just release that spear and hopefully make a good shot on those fish so
1: what's the biggest northern that you've speared Uh,
2: i tend to i tend to let some of the bigger ones swim by um if it's under if it's under 40 inches i think those are more of the fish that i generally like to harvest right um if you know you get something bigger than 40 inches i kind of consider that a trophy and i would much rather watch that fish swim by and maybe have him hit my decoy a couple times and and really you know watch him work and that's kind of where i get excited about that uh is it hard not to throw the spear at something (laughs) that big it definitely is uh but you know, some there are some people that also trophy hunt too in spears. So I, I'm not one to judge on on what people can can harvest and take. But a lot of times I'll I'll try to let those bigger fish swim by, and I'll try to harvest some of those smaller fish that are coming into the strike zone. Right on.
0: How often do you have them come in so stinking fast and smack your decoy that you never even really get a chance?
2: Oh, uh, that is. Probably half the time you're sitting there looking down that hole. (laughs) You've got you've got days where you know you'll you'll harvest five fish, but you'll probably see thirty fish. You know, and that's that's really the cool thing about Devil's Lake is you've got an an abundance of pike where you're you're going to be busy um, and. a lot of those fish congregate in the same areas and like you said sometimes they'll come in so fast that you catch a glimpse of it or he'll hit the decoy and by the time you look down because you were distracted he's already gone so uh, the biggest thing is trying to slow some of those fish down so you can actually get a good shot at them but they're so aggressive like we talked about that sometimes it you know they don't present that opportunity to put a shot on them but uh as you as you said, they they can be so fast and so ferocious that sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes they're feeding so fast that you you can't get a hold of them.
1: Do you have a lot of other type of fish come in and look at the decoy?
2: I I really haven't. You know, I've, I'm I've maybe had you know two or three times where I've seen some perch, but I, I would suspect that I would have saw some walleyes because a lot of times those walleyes will will be cruising around and or maybe mingling with some of those pike too. But I, unless I haven't been aware of it. And maybe they're just too much of a bottom dweller, the walleyes are, that they just cruise by, and I'm not able to recognize that that's a walleye. But I don't see a whole lot of other species. I I generally tend to just see more of the pike that swim by. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. But I, for myself personally, I haven't seen a whole lot of other species. A lot of times it's more of the pike.
0: And the pike are the only one that you can actually spear, correct?
2: Correct, yep. Um, I know there's, uh, some underwater spear fishing that you might be able to do west of here, but haven't gotten into that realm yet. So as far as I know, the only things that you can spear are the northerns and, and any rough fish. So right. that is also allowed because, you know, that would be like a, you know, how you can shoot some carp in the spring and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So any, any rough fish or Northern pike is, is acceptable.
0: I don't, I don't think it's even legal here in Iowa. Is it? I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. Minnesota and North Dakota, I think.
2: Right. right. And I don't I don't think it's legal in uh, Wisconsin either other than sturgeon.
0: Oh, I know they well. have the huh. area where they can spear
2: the sturgeon there, which is that would be one heck of a spear fight there, so <laughs> <laughs> no <Holy> doubt.
1: Moly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I've, I've seen a couple episodes on that and that's that's pretty intriguing but you know, I I, I fished the Lake of the Woods area and the Rainy River where you get into the sturgeon too, and I couldn't imagine what it's like spearing a sturgeon.
0: Now, after you spear them or spear a pike, is there quite a fight afterwards, or, or does it kind of stun them and you pull them right out?
2: There is there is a fight. There's a they they're you know trying to do the same thing that they're doing when they're on a hook and a line, so uh, they are trying to escape once they realize that you know, that was a bad decision that they made to, to look at that decoy. So they will uh, dart off to the side. And when you're bringing that rope in that's attached to your spear, what I tend to do is I, I try to reel in, you know, nice and slow. And when I'm bringing that fish up through the hole, I'll keep those tines pinned against the hole in case that fish starts to to wiggle its way through those tines. Now you have your barbs on your spear that are designed to keep that fish on, but, you know we have barbs on our hooks as well when we're when we're pulling fish through the hole and when that when that fish reaches the surface that's kind of the last you know the last run of that fish and we've all dealt with the fish that gets off right at the hole and down it goes so you know i'm trying to keep that fish pinned when i'm bringing it through the hole because that's another big thing too is i don't want that wounded fish to get away so right Mm.
0: now before we let you go taylor uh what what are the plans for the rest of the winter
2: oh as we kind of touched on there with fish addictions i I'd like to make a couple episodes this year I don't know where that's gonna be quite yet but um the big thing is probably i, I I'd love to to do even more spearing uh, something that just really interests me and the other thing is i i love trying new bodies of water too and not not even the destinations away from here i like i like trying things that people would look at and shake their head at and say you know why would you fish that well there can be some of those bodies of water that you don't know have fish in it or maybe they're not sampled or maybe they're not stocked so that's a that's a cool thing about the dakotas is you'll find some of these some of these lakes that that have good fish in it and I just find it really interesting going out and searching, and, and when a plan comes together, you, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So yeah. I would say this year a little bit more focused on the spearing and finding new areas and making a, a few more fish addictions episodes because I have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: You think you've caught more fish since you started growing the mustache?
2: <laughs> I know Seth Fighter has. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, yeah, There's saying. no doubt about that. <laughs> I, I
0: think it's a good luck deal. I, I like it. I'm for it.
2: Uh, mine. Mine's a little bit greasy. I get a. Oh my no For that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's all in good fun, I, I I don't try to take myself too seriously when it comes to the fishing. So, yeah, I, yeah, maybe it has helped a little bit. You know, you you catch a pike, you know, and grab a little grab a little slime off the pike and <laughs> slap it in the mustache, and yeah. you know. Uh, i bet that's where that's where the next one comes from so you gotta you gotta give it up to the fish gods. sometimes that's right i'm for
0: it no no taylor we really appreciate you swinging in that was a fun episode The the spearing like i said is something that we've never covered before and and actually it was something that i never even thought about until you brought it up so we really appreciate that we appreciate the north dakota deal because we haven't had that yet and uh no, oh, we look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you here maybe uh, come spring and and get a little recap on the year.
2: All righty. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for calling me. Uh, I had a blast doing this. And like I said, if you get the opportunity to, to go on a spear trip, I'd probably take it because it's, it's really exhilarating. Definitely. Perfect. Thanks, man. All righty. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you later. See you. Bye.
1: And there he goes, Taylor Millantine from Fish Addictions TV. You know no,
0: I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I've always thought his last name was Millanthin. Well, and so to to uh when when we've said Millentine now, I I don't know. I'm just I I keep getting worried that I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> and I guess it's really not that big a deal cuz it's not like we're going to botch the show. Well, or I mean, well, I guess but we
1: could call him Millen flow
0: Mill Flo. God, his hair is just <laughs> buck nasty awesome. <laughs> I love it. He's got the we we you know, I even thought about this the other day. Like, I was going to ask him if he was a hockey player.
1: Right. Well, we know what, we know what uh, the secret behind of it all is. You know, just get a little northern slime in there and you get that flow going.
0: Sickest flow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, like we said, uh, thanks, Taylor, for stopping in and chatting with us. Uh, that, that was a fun episode. But, uh, yeah, now we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, ice shows are really kicked off. The Blaine Hardwater Expo was this past weekend. And, right. and obviously, the weekend before, me and Matt had the uh absolute pleasure of working over at the uh, cold snap outdoors booth with uh the the dudes from cold snap selling some covers and selling some raffle tickets for the hooked on hard water and uh, met a lot of really cool people
1: so yeah it was a lot of fun saw a lot of cool stuff uh, I had a lot of had a few people come up and say that that people that we didn't know
0: yep i've got to i've, I've got to give a guy a shout out who i talked to and if, if you're if if you're listening here I I think his name was Derek or Dustin and I think the last name was rave and I've I, I even tried to look him up on Facebook he must not be on Facebook but if you're listening shoot us an email at Midwest angler one like the number one at gmail.com I want to send you out a hat for uh, coming up and and talking with us uh, like I said I, I I told you I'd give you a shout out but I forgot the name and I don't know. I I have a tough enough time just making sure that I got a pair of socks on in the morning. (laughs) Hard
1: enough time remembering your own name sometimes, huh?
0: I i know my own cell phone number but i don't know my own wife's i know my (laughs) brothers because it's one after (laughs) mine but that's it like i'm just uh, that's not my strong suit but
1: no it was a fun time working that show and
0: absolutely uh it
1: was cool seeing all what you bought a shack right
0: yes i did clam nanook xl thermal bought it from craig oiler so i mean that's pretty cool
1: did he sign it for you well he did he He did but it was invisible markers oh okay
0: when, when we get it underneath a black light then <laughs> it pops up <laughs> no no we uh got the chance to meet dave gens
1: that was a lot of fun
0: holy mackerel you Like had to talk to him i was nervous as a
1: yeah i know you were
0: <laughs> like that that was crazy i mean like when you walked up to him it wasn't what i expected like I, nothing's ever what i expect but you know oh, there yeah. he was he was just sitting on a stool kind of hanging out chilling. and it's like hey all right this is gonna happen but, no, I had him sign a Midwest Angler Podcast hat. That was killer cool.
1: Yeah, that was. That's pretty cool. And, like you said, a great guy.
0: Yeah, I'm a hat collector, uh, not only for the ones that I wear on my hat, but or on my head, but uh, over on my gun safe over there, I've got uh, Seth Fighter. I've got uh,
1: Bill Dance. Bill Dance. The old Tennessee hat up there.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of killer cool ones. So, uh, yeah, I just need to add to that collection with more uh, anglers. So, I had to... Had to Take advantage of that opportunity, but yeah, no, it was cool talking with him. What was the coolest thing you think you saw out of all the stuff there at, at the Ice Institute?
1: Well, there was a lot of neat stuff. uh I'll say it—the new Cold Snap Redline series rods are are pretty sweet. Absolutely, I mean, it was nice to be able to get one in your hand and check it out. And the price point on them is just crazy. Well, it's mean,
0: half the price of what they should be.
1: Right. It's uh, that's probably one of the more things I'm excited. To get to use this right this, uh, winter you know i saw a lot of the new strike master light flights a lot of people were buying those up yep. um i don't know i've always been happy with my k drill um uh, i know that you have one eric has one uh
0: i think the biggest gripe against the k drill and everyone says oh they're so slow have you ever personally got into an a whole drilling uh whole drilling race
1: Nope, i haven't personally. i I, just
0: i I didn't know if i was the only one who hadn't
1: sometimes i don't know if it's just because uh it's the new thing on so everybody's oh everybody's buying this and i have to buy it too but i mean i'm sure it's a a good product and uh, it's probably gonna have flaws just like every new thing that comes out does the light flight yeah the light oh yeah no i'm
0: i'm I'm 100 sure it's awesome i don't think i mean at the end of the day every single auger on the market right drills a hole so well yeah you know and
1: some of them are like oh yeah i was able to drill i was able to get through my hole five seconds faster than my buddy did yeah and oh. it's just like oh
0: man <laughs> in, this, in the span of a day i bet you caught so many more fish it's like all right yeah i don't know so we, I, we don't, I mean
1: the blades are different i mean they're chipper style blades and then there's the shaver style blades so i mean that makes a difference for some people but um other than that uh you know, thought, just, what about you? What was I thought
0: your... those Okuma bait feeder?
1: Oh yeah, uh, those... reels.
0: You know, the, I I uh, my catfishing rods are uh, Abu Garcia ambassadors, and they've got that bait clicker on them. Right. And I thought it was really cool to see that in uh, in the spinning reel in the spinning reel, and and something that you can run on your dead stick, right. uh, Arctic Warriors, or or you know the the walleye snares from JT. You know, th- all those. I think that they would just work spectacular and and i'm not gonna lie i will be purchasing some and and i don't know what i'm gonna do with them but i'm gonna do something with them i just
1: i just think it's cool just to see how far ice fishing is coming along and just all the crazy things that are out there and it's just it's just neat to see right And, and and you can still go out there with just a basic setup and still have success
0: Oh, for sure for sure and yeah, I, you you don't have to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars. I mean, right. me and you both started basically with uh, not the, not the greatest s- gear, and
1: I still run an FL eight. And there's so some people brother. there's some there's some people that don't even have a flasher, and they go out there and catch fish. So
0: I'm not gonna knock them, but there's no way I could do It'd it. It'd Be tough after you run a flasher. Right? There's just no way. I I don't know. Just just to know that the fish are under you. It's one thing not to catch them because a- after you know that the fish are down there, you, you're you going to switch baits. You're going to yep. figure out, okay, what is going on? What what am I doing wrong? But if, if I just had to sit out there and blindly jig and never know if there was even anything under me, I, I just couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> like i said for those who do that's awesome <laughs> i mean more power to you. Right. you you want it worse than what i do but
1: it makes a he- heck of a difference that's for sure right
0: so well i guess with that we will end episode 48 that's episode right. 49 next week one year one year that's one year that me and matt have been doing this
1: silly podcast sitting down here in your basement
0: Every single... Well, no, we've done a couple. We've done a couple on the road. Yep, but
1: talk to old Loris over at your parents' place and Old
0: We need to get him on again. We do. We need to. I don't know if there would be much fishing talked about or if it would just be throwing cheap shots at each probably. other, but
1: that's all right, too. That's right. It's our
0: show. We can do what we want, guys. He
1: might want to sidekick Ramsey along or something oh, like geez. that. So. it would probably be in a couch making out.
0: <laughs> all right. This one's going off the rails. <laughs> episode 48 is done. We will see you next week on the one-year anniversary show, episode 49. Thanks, guys.